You're listening to Money in Politics, brought to you by Call Time AI. Campaigning is hard. Why not make fundraising easy? Using automation and artificial intelligence, Call Time AI lets you fundraise five times faster with easy-to-use tools like instant donor research, automated voicemail drop, and donor scoring, so that you are always calling the right person at the right time with the right ask. Go online to calltime.ai to schedule a demo and start your free trial today. My name is Andrew Blumenfeld. This is the Money in Politics podcast. This is one of our unusual episodes where I actually don't have a guest because as we approach the end of the cycle, I wanted to take a moment to comment on something and maybe share some best practices that could be especially useful for candidates and campaigns that are in this final home stretch of the election. So, uh, you know, I'm commenting today on this temptation that I know exists, uh, that I've personally experienced, that I have seen experience in others, which is to completely retire your phone for good uh, once you cross the finish line after the election and kind of say goodbye to your fundraising, kind of go on vacation and, and maybe never look back. But unfortunately, one of the biggest mistakes that a candidate can make is inartfully winding down their campaign and fundraising operations. So today I'm hoping to share some best practices that will help candidates and campaigns really thoughtfully conclude their fundraising for a cycle in a way that honors the relationships that have been built and relied upon and ensures that they'll endure beyond any single political cycle. So let me start with just talking a little bit more about why I think you should stay in touch in the weeks and months after the election. You shouldn't just completely ghost your donors and disappear on them. Um, you know, I think too many candidates are not adequately planning for those days, weeks and months after election day. I totally understand it. Your eye is completely on the ball November 3rd and all the people who are casting ballots between now and then. Um, but I think you'll ultimately come to regret the decision not to invest just a little bit of time now thinking about what do what do the days, weeks, and months after the election look like. The reason for this comes back to a fundamental principle of fundraising that I have discussed a lot um, on this podcast and elsewhere, which is that donors should not only hear from you when you are asking them for money. If that's the case, you are in the business of managing transactions, not relationships. And that just is not uh, a very fulfilling or successful strategy. Um, So even while the campaign is coming to a close and in its aftermath, it's important to remember that investments that you are making in these relationships will continue to pay dividends over the long haul. Whether you decide to run for office in the future, or maybe you need to raise money for other candidates and causes in the future, um, or really in any way that you are going to seek the future support of these individuals around that vision that brought them together to your campaign in the first place, you really want to be thinking thinking about how you can be leaving your campaign in a way that means the relationships are not themselves also ending. I I put it this way. Consider it like this. While you have been fundraising, have you ever thought to yourself that the conversation you were about to have and the ask you were about to make would be much easier if you had just done a better job staying in touch with this individual beforehand? Now is your chance to right that future wrong. (laughs) It's the right thing to do, and your future self will thank you. I promise. So what are some strategies for how you do this? Well, I'll talk about a few of them, and I'll kind of talk about them in somewhat chronological order. So I'll start with some strategies for staying in touch kind of in the immediate aftermath of the election, you know, right as votes are being counted, potentially even election night, but really in the days and weeks afterwards. Your supporters clearly are going to be very eager to hear about the outcome of the election. Um, In a typical year, most people don't even really know where they can go to follow election returns in real time. You know, they can't turn on CNN or even their local news often to 
to, to get those returns information. So it's always helpful to provide them with that. But with all the changes to voting that have taken place in 2020, you should also be prepared to be especially communicative about the process by which ballots will be tabulated in your race, including the anticipated timeline for count updates. If your county knows, for instance, that it does uh, a bunch of updates night of election, bunch of updates the next day, but then only does updates every three or five days afterwards on some sort of schedule, let your supporters and donors know that so that they're not hanging on every day or kind of bugging you every hour by text. You know, just let them know what you know about what this year is going to look like um, about uh, as far as ballot tabulation is concerned. Of course, sending mass communication messages is helpful, but I really think you should consider scheduling time for one-on-one outreach to your top supporters so that you can give them an even greater depth of analysis about how you're interpreting the results you see and what it may portend for the campaign as more ballots are counted. They will appreciate and remember this. And uh, it may be necessary to go back to these folks for some additional support sooner than you'd think. Because the fact of the matter is that when races are not ready to be called on election day, um, which happens every election day, but is likely to happen at a far greater rate um, in 2020, when they are not ready to be called on election day, you tend to encounter some unexpected financial costs um, that are just associated with keeping your operation running a little bit longer than you had anticipated. And there'll be a need to quickly fundraise to support those costs. And so you'll you'll be doing yourself a big favor just by getting on the phone with some of your top supporters and saying, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Um, maybe we have this kind of margin to overcome, but I think we can do it because they still haven't counted votes from this area or we expect to do better with late absentees or give them kind of your assessment. They'll appreciate being part of the team. They'll appreciate the personal outreach. And as I mentioned, you may need to come to rely on them uh, pretty pretty immediately thereafter. Of course, whether it happens on election night or sometime thereafter, and hopefully not too long thereafter, at some point, a result will be clear, and you'll want to make sure that you have some personal outreach to those top supporters again to give them that news. No matter what the outcome is, the personal touch will really help to fortify that relationship. So moving on to what happens after that, uh, beyond that immediate aftermath, the kind of process of thanking your supporters, thanking your donors, but also offering them your insight and reflections. Um, I think by now, hopefully most campaigns and candidates understand the virtue of thank yous, and it's probably been a part of your process throughout the campaign to stay in touch after someone makes a contribution, send them a note of thank you. Um, Some people still do, you know, handwritten thank you cards. Some people just shoot them a quick email. Whatever the case may be, you probably have a process for this already. I would urge you to think about your post-campaign thank yous a little bit differently and go beyond whatever your standard process has been to this date. Undoubtedly, you have expressed a lot of gratitude to these folks. I hope that's the case. And if you've been staying in touch with them to keep them posted on election returns and give them the analysis like we were talking about a moment ago, then you probably very recently also expressed your gratitude. But one of the best ways you can truly leave a lasting positive impression with your supporters is to just nail this final round of thank yous. Just knock it out of the park. And it's not that hard to do. Um, And one of the things I would encourage you to do 
is give yourself and your supporters some time and space. This is not something that needs to happen immediately after the election or immediately after the election results are known. In fact, I think there's a lot to be said about not doing it so immediately and instead giving yourself some several, you know, several weeks. I think it's not terrible to even wait a month or so so that you can truly collect all of the critical data and kind of compile all the critical analysis and and give yourself sufficient time to reflect all on all of that. Um, you know, get the people who worked on your campaign to give you their insight and analysis and synthesize it, sit on it, kind of think about what worked, what could have been better, what is the road ahead for you and for your supporters? How do they continue to stay engaged around the causes and the issues that were animating your campaign and their support for it? That takes some time and that takes some data collection and you probably want to rely on the help and assistance of others to help uh, guide some of that analysis and that reflection. But once you're ready to do it, um, Get it out to your supporters. And again, here, schedule some time to do individual outreach to at least your top supporters so that you can walk them through your insight. You can walk them through your reflections and, of course, to offer them kind of one final thank you of the cycle. This is critical in my view, whether you won or you lost. Um, It's the kind of thoughtful approach to your thank yous that will ensure that this campaign is closed out in a way that preserves those relationships for the long haul. Beyond those thank yous and beyond this sort of month or so after the election, we're now kind of beyond the election. And um, I consider this getting your relationship with your donors sort of out of the election zone, you know, where you get to really successfully transfer that relationship beyond the confines of a single election so that it is permanent. It is something that endures and can be relied upon and built and grown for years to come, irrespective of the one election cycle in which maybe you you initially solicited their financial support. Um, so once you've completed those other things that we've discussed, um, there's a lot. there are lots of ways that you can start to kind of, again, move these relationships beyond the election cycle itself. And, and it should happen over several months. You know, it doesn't need to all happen in one big wave. You can shoot people a quick text uh, around the holidays, wishing them well. You can send them a brief individual email, just sharing them an update on some of the work that you've been up to. Um, It's great if you have been really disciplined about capturing data on your donors and building those relationships and capturing data around those relationships because you should be able to quickly, like, you know, pull all your donors who were really interested in a particular issue. And when you find yourself working on that issue, you should send them a quick email just saying, hey, just I know this was really important to you. I wanted to share some updates on what I've been doing on that issue. Um, you can place an individual call here and there to just get advice from a supporter, asking them about a question that you're wrestling with. And by the way, I think all of these things apply equally well, whether you have won or you have lost your election. If you've won, it's great because you can tie it directly back to the work you're doing in elected office and the things that they cared about to help you get to that elected office. But if you didn't win, 
These are relationships. These are people. Um, they, they, they can still be nurtured outside of, of the context of your current electoral prospects. And just even calling them to say, hey, you know, I didn't win this election, but I really am still fired up about this issue. And so I'm considering taking on this role as a, you know, a volunteer nonprofit board member, or I'm considering making this career switch. Um, these are ways to just further um, build these bridges so that this, again, is not something where people think of you only as, oh, I see this person calling me. They're calling me because they're running for something and because they want me to fund uh, their campaigns. That's kind of what you're trying to get away from. Ultimately, um, the most important thing, I think, about this sort of long-term investment in these relationships well beyond uh, the election period is that you have a structure and a discipline to support it. Otherwise, it likely just isn't going to happen, or it's going to happen in such an uneven way that it will prove relatively futile, difficult to keep up with, kind of frustrating, frankly. I say, you know, think of this as call time light. You know, it's not going to be tens of hours a week of call time. It's not even going to be tens of hours a month of call time. It's just going to be sprinkled out throughout your month, but but you should really be thoughtful about getting it on the calendar. Make sure you know, okay, an hour or two, probably less, less than an hour a week. Um, I just want to make sure that I'm going through my contacts and seeing who haven't I talked to in a while or who do I have a reason to be reaching out to right now and, and can I send them a quick message just to make sure that they remember I'm still out here and I remember they're still out there and we can stay on good terms. So obviously I highly recommend using a smart tool or a smart system to manage this. You know, I always plug the podcast is brought to you by Call Time AI. Uh, so Call Time AI is one such tool that can be really helpful at just keep helping you keep track of these things. But what, whatever your method or approach is, have a strategy, have a structure, have a discipline. Um, you know, one hour a week or less dedicated to this activity. You do this over the course of an off year, and it's going to be the next time you ever need to fundraise for yourself, for others, for a political cause, for a nonprofit cause, it is going to be night and day compared to when you've had to fundraise without having laid that groundwork so thoughtfully. And it's painless because you're not making asks of people. You're just nurturing relationships. You know, as you're listening to this now, uh, and as we are you know, as I like to say, within striking distance of the election, um, you've got, again, a lot on your mind about this particular election. But fast forward, you know, not more than a month as we get to the end of November. And some of you listening may be within arm's reach of launching another campaign. You know, you may be taking another shot at, at a race that you weren't successful at. You may be immediately needing to run for re-election. Others of you, though, may not anticipate ever running for office again. But no matter whatever your specific political path is, you will never regret transitioning out of your current campaign in a way that respects the people who have given so much to support your endeavors. So I would just leave you with this. Start thinking now about that work. With the right infrastructure, it can be highly effective and efficient. And inevitably, you'll someday, one way or another, be very, very glad that you did. Stay up to date with the latest fundraising trends, forecasts, and advice by going to the Call Time AI blog at www.calltime.ai and follow us on Twitter at Call Time AI.